Welcome to the Restoration Church Weekly Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. Restoration Church. Uh, last week I timed this wrong and got up here way too early. Today it was the opposite, but I am glad to be here together to, uh, to talk about Vision Sunday, to preach God's Word. And if I haven't had a chance to meet you before, my name is Nate and I'm one of the pastors at Restoration Church. And I love Restoration Church, just to, uh, just to expose my bias. I, I love our church. I, I love what God's doing in our church, and I'm excited to share uh, some of that with you, a recap of that. But before we jump into it, there's a couple of things that we need to cheer about and be excited for. So first, um, Dover, will you welcome Plymouth, Bethlehem, and Milton to service this morning? For those of you at other locations, and for those of you who watch online, uh, you know, I, I, it's great to be able to share the message this morning with you, and thanks for paying attention. Thanks for letting the God, thanks for letting God speak to you and do what he wants to do in your heart and your life. And the other thing that we want to, I just want to share with you, if you didn't know, Pastor Stephen and Rinku had a baby over the weekend, and uh, so excited for them. So our congratulations to them. They had a baby boy, seven pounds, something or other ounces. Uh, his name is Azik Steven Johnson. And so I got to meet him over the weekend, and uh, he seemed pretty chill. So that was, that was good. Uh, today is Vision Sunday. We've talked about it before. It's a Sunday we take every year to recap and remember, celebrate what God has done, and to share some dreams for the future. Sometimes they're very clear and we're just making, we'll make an announcement of, hey, this is happening and it's been in the works and we'll share it with you. Sometimes maybe, um, you, you know, it's, it's not our goal every time to bring like some big, huge announcement, but it's our goal to just remember what God has called us to, to do, that we're staying on that path, that we're, that we're doing what he's called us to do and of course that we're celebrating what he has done, and hopefully there are things to celebrate, and certainly there are. We, in this series, Expectation, that our teenagers will finish up next week, this is a series, and I said it on the podcast, but I'll say it to all of you now, it is a series that I've been preaching to myself. And I was at coffee with a friend um, who is also a pastor, and he said, hey, I just feel like I've got this word for you. And so he began to share it with me and, and try to just encourage me with, um, just try to encourage me with something he felt God had to share with him. And I listened to it and I received it. 
And part of that was expectation. And so I don't remember when that was. We could go through our Slack channel and figure it out. But when I got back to the office and I had taken a couple hours to process it, I messaged the team and I said, hey, just a heads up for 2024, expectation is what God has for us. I just felt it wasn't just a word for me, but it was a word for all of us. And so as we've preached this series, I've been writing messages for Nate Gagne. That's, that's me. I never said my last name. <laughs> like, what a jerk. <laughs> no, I've been writing messages for me, and, uh, and I've been preaching them to me as I've been preaching them to you, because I, and even as we've been processing it through the podcast the last few weeks, I can believe God for impossible things, uh, but sometimes I have a hard time believing God for uh, maybe possible things. And sometimes my expectation, it can be so high. If you, there, uh, there's some seats right up here in the second row if you want to uh, come up here. Sometimes I have a hard time... Um, if I'm encountering difficulty, I can get stuck there. And I begin to go into a what if. Part of it is because I feel like it's my, my responsibility and role at the church as lead pastor that when we hit roadblocks in the church or when, there, when there, you know, there are things that I've just got to think through for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the road, that some seem to me like no doubt it's going to happen. Other things, for me, it can seem much more difficult, and, um, and, I, and I can really begin to wonder if God's going to do something, you know? So this message is no different, all right? So if I could... I would be sitting right there. I would pre-record this and sit with you. I should have done that. Um, I remember seventh grade speech class. Uh, we had to give speeches, and I interviewed myself. And so I set up two chairs, and one was the interviewer chair, and one was the interviewee chair, and I just switched chairs the whole time. I could have done that this morning, too. And I, I will, maybe I'll do that today. Um, so let's do that. Hey, wow, this pastor's amazing. Hey, hey, oh, thank you. That's so encouraging. Um, so... Proverbs 29, verse 18, this is a famous uh, scripture. I, I'll read a part to you. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And obviously, you know, it's not speaking literally here that people are going to die, but think about and evaluate your, your life for a minute. If there's parts of your life where you don't have vision, well, things begin to die. Without vision, your, your marriage will die. Think about that for a minute. How does a couple slowly grow apart because they didn't have a vision to stay together? They didn't have a vision of what their marriage could look like in the latter years of their life. And our vision is we'll have our kids early and we'll have them close together so we'll still be young when they leave. <laughs> and so far, that vision's coming to fruition. But your marriage dies. Without vision, your spiritual life dies because you're not thinking and dreaming about how God can use you, about how God can grow you, about what God wants to accomplish with your life. And so you just slowly become, at best, a church person, which is not a good thing. 
You're just someone who shows up to church and you leave. And you could do that consistently for the rest of your life, but showing up to church, I mean, that's, you'll very quickly have a dead spiritual life. No vision about how you're going to grow closer to the Lord as the years go by. You're going to become more like him as the years go by. You'll become more in love with him as the years go by. You'll be more willing to, to give up anything this world has to offer and pursue him because you have no vision for that. Without vision, churches die. And we have, um, you know, I communicate this delicately, but we have reopened some churches that died. They closed. There was empty buildings. And we, um, and so two of our locations are in buildings like that. And we've had opportunities for other buildings, but it just wasn't the right time. Hey, there's an empty church. You want it? And I'm like, can't, can't do it now. And so then those buildings were either sold to other churches or they were, or they were closed. It, it's one of those things that happens. Vision's an important thing. Vision is expectation. Vision is expectation. If you have no expectation that God is capable of doing something, that God will do something, that God wants to do something, uh, you're not going to have a vision for it. I'm not going to have a vision for my marriage if I think it's impossible for God to change me or to change my wife. I'm not going to have a vision for my kids if I don't think that God can move and change and work in the life of a teenager. I'm not going to have a vision for our church if I think this is northern New England. But what is my expectation in? Who is my expectation in? Which is certainly what we've been talking about. We can't have faith without expectation. We can't have vision without expectation. It is something that's important. And certainly we have vision for the church as we've shared. We have a mission for the church, which we shared our mission, which is to the great commission, which is, which is true. It's a mandate for every church across the world to make disciples in all nations. And we communicate that with three words, just one more. Our vision, that one that, we, that we're hoping to accomplish, one we've been talking about for a few years has kind of changed and become more clear as the years gone by as the years have gone by, but one thing is we want to be a church that gives a million dollars annually to missions. And so we're not there yet, but we're closer than I thought we were going to be whenever I said that for the first time. It was, it was ignorant the first time I said it. Now it's just a matter of, it's just a matter of time. Should we go into it? Where's the drummer? <laughs> and uh, another one is that you, you know, we've talked about this before, but the, the number of people going to the mission field is on a steady decline. Number of people going into vocational ministry is on a steady decline. And we can't solve that, but we want to try to do something. And one of our hearts and one of our, our visions is that we will raise up within Restoration Church 100 ministers and missionaries. And I haven't looked at what our count is right now, but I think we're about number 15 is, is, what, is, is how far we've gotten since, um, you know, I could, if we go back 50 years, it'd be higher than that. But since we started like, okay, let's, from here now, the count begins now, is how far we've gone. And the, uh, the other thing is that eventually 
we will be 10 locations. And there's all kinds of reasons for that, or maybe all kinds of assumptions of our reasons for that. But ours is we, and I'll talk about it here later, but we're in the least church state in the country, surrounded by the least church states in the country. And we don't want to just sit idly by and, and just be glad that we've got a good band and our kids love the Lord. We want to do something about that. That's what we've been working and moving toward and eventually will hit. And when we talk about expectation, I know we will do those. I am confident, confident, confident that every single one of those things are going to happen. We are expecting good things in the future. We're expecting good things this year as well. We're expecting the miraculous and the supernatural to continue. We're expecting lives to change, families to change, situations to change, prognosis to change. We're expecting um, amazing things to happen. Let me this morning share with you four more reasons why we will be people of expectation. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to Joshua chapter 23. We'll be through this whole story um, this morning, and so stay there because we'll, uh, we'll go through a passage, we'll go through a portion, then we're going to talk through it, we'll go through the next portion, we're going to talk through it. This portion that we're about to read, Joshua, um, the, the week I became, maybe not the week I became lead pastor, but the week I knew I was going to become lead pastor, which was a few weeks before, before the church voted yes, um, uh, the, I had opened up my study Bible, and in that morning as I was sitting in service that day, it was a real clear um, understanding on my part that God communicated to me, you're going to be a Joshua for Restoration Church. That I was going to, it was going to be the type of leader that God had put on me, the type of anointing that he put on me. And that was my assignment. That was my call. And my pastor before that, I just felt in that moment, in that kind of brief thought that he was a Moses and God had used him in, in, in a very different way than God was going to use me. And I just felt just confidence in that, assurance in that, not to be who the previous pastor was, but to be able to just be Nate Gagnon. And um, <laughs> I'll, hey, don't beat yourself up. You've done a great job. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so in this passage, Joshua, who's now... I mean, he served alongside Moses, accomplished great things. He's nearing the end of his life. And so this is a farewell sermon. This is a goodbye speech. This is a, hey, let's not forget. And it starts, we'll read, start reading at verse number one. And I'll be reading it out of the New, New Living Translation. It says, the years passed and the Lord had given the people of Israel rest from all their enemies. Joshua, who was now very old called together all of the elders, leaders, judges, and officers of Israel. He said to them, I am now a very old man. And there, so it's, hey, I, we're coming to the end here. You have seen everything the Lord your God has done for you during my lifetime. 
The Lord your God has fought for you against your enemies. I have allotted to you as your homeland all the land of the nations yet unconquered, as well as the land of those we have already conquered, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. Let me talk, just something that popped into mind as I was just reading that is Joshua, he's speaking to the leaders of Israel, but he is the only person there who had served with Moses and saw the miracles of Moses. So this is a real generational handoff. He's that one bridge between who is going to lead in the past and, and what they've experienced, who is going to lead in the future and what they've experienced in the past. And so what he's communicating is certainly something so valuable for every um, young person in the room or those who consider themselves young. You need to make sure you're listening to the stories of those who have served Jesus for a long, long time. Back in the olden days of our church, when I was like 24 years old, somehow the senior adult ministry was put in my portfolio. I, I had no idea. So I loved it because what it meant was I'd go to breakfast at senior breakfast, which was like every Thursday morning. And for whatever reason, the sausage there was remarkable. <laughs> but I began to use that. I began to use any fellowship dinner we'd have where I'd sit with someone older than me. And I'd say, how did you start following Jesus? And I'd listen. And within our church, some names that you know, some names that are still here, obviously John Cerise and hearing his stories of how he started following the Lord, Elaine Michaud, who's here, and how she started following the Lord, other names from the church's past, people like Joan Douglas and how they started following the Lord. And I begin to, I don't know, something happened in me. Because in my life where I've seen so many people walk away from God, it was great to hear stories of people who were still following. Despite every obstacle they'd had in their life, they never stopped following. To hear, because to me, an old testimony is still a great testimony. And an old testimony is not anything, sometimes we're like, you know, we'd love you to share your testimony with the church and be like, that was like 25 years ago. No one's going to care. The testimonies of God are still powerful. And we want you to share with it. And really, it's really, really important that if you're young, and you, whatever you consider yourself as young, some of you are like, I'm 50, I count. All right, well, good. Then sit yourself under those who are older than you and ask them to tell you their story. Ask them to tell you their testimonies of all the the little things and the big things that God has done. So four, re four more reasons why we will be people of expectation. The first thing is the character of God. Verse, jump down to verse number eight. Joshua's still talking and he says, the land, this land will be yours for the Lord your God will himself drive out all the people living there now. You will take possession of their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Uh, we'll just mention this briefly for a second, but there's some conversation about Israel in 1946, and 
we just want to recognize this happened way before 1946. This scripture is, uh, how, old are, how old is it? 3,000 years old. This portion that we're reading, approximately many, many years ago, God is making this promise. And he's talking here, he's saying, just as God promised you. Now, what does it say about God that we can be reminded of his promises and be assured? It's, it's speaking of his character. Because if, if you've ever had a deadbeat dad, you see it in every after school special where their dad promises something and doesn't come through again. And when he says, you know, in that movie, oh, I promise you I'll be there, the kid doesn't believe it. The kid's hopes aren't up. Why? Because the character of that dad is disappointment, lying, making promises, never coming through. That's the character of the dad. But Joshua's saying, hey, remember the promises of God. What is that saying? Oh, because they've seen God fulfill his promises already. And if he's come through on all of these promises and he's never let them down on any of these promises, then we can be assured that he will come through on these other promises that he, that he hasn't yet done. This is a good parenting tip too for you. When I promise my kids punishment, I give them that punishment. I think sometimes your kids are running wild and they don't listen to your threats because you promise them punishments that you never enact. And I'll, I, my kids will be doing something and I'll say, hey, I just want to remind you, what I say I'm going to do, I will do. I will take away your phone. I will, uh, I will slaughter your cow. I will, what I promise you, I will do, I will do. Which then gets them, like that usually is a... Uh, um, um, a disarming part of the conversation as they recognize, yes, dad fulfills his promises. Dad fulfills his promises. And obviously, there's positive ones as well, but when you make a promise, you need to accomplish that. You need to fulfill that. And my kids are like, dad, can we do this? And I say, maybe. And so they hate that word. Because I'm not going to promise. Well, why won't you say yes? Well, because if I say yes and there's anything that changes, whether the house burns down or there's an earthquake or, um, or New Hampshire secedes from the union, you'll hold that against me. <laughs> so I'll say maybe with every intention that I'd love to do this, but I don't want to promise. Anyway, I, I've used up way too much time for that. So... Just as the Lord your God, God promised, what is God's character? Let me run through, through a few of these. I'll go through these fast with uh, some scripture backups. God is infinite, Colossians 1.17. God is immutable, Malachi 3.6. God is self-sufficient, John 5.26. God is omnipotent, Psalm 33.6. God is omniscient, Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. God is omnipresent, Psalm 139, 7 through 10. God is wise, Romans eleven thirty three. God is faithful, Deuteronomy 7, 9. God is good, Psalm 34, 8. God is just, Deuteronomy 32, 4. God is merciful, Romans 9, 15 through 16. God is gracious, Psalm 145, 8. God is loving, 
1 John 4, 7 through 8. God is holy, Revelation 4, 8. God is glorious, Habakkuk 3, 4. Why can we expect good things from God? Because of the character of God. He is all these things and more. And then a young man who's related to me, walking out, sit back down, front row, sit. I got some promises I want to share with you after service. The second reason to be expectant, number two, the word of God. Joshua continues in verse number six. He says, so be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Do not deviate from it, turning either to the left or right. And then verse number eight, rather cling tightly to the Lord your God as you have done until now. When we begin to read and study scripture, we recognize there are thousands of promises throughout scripture. Thousands of them. We have plenty of reasons to have great expectations. Psalm 139, we talk about the word of God. Psalm 139 verses 105 and 106 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. I promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. So faith, uh, and that next part is uh, a typo. So this is what we are understanding as I'm walking in your word, as I'm reading your word, as I'm learning your word, God, these expectations that I have are not just going to come from my imagination. They're not going to come from selfish desire. They're going to come from your word. And a desire for giving to kingdom builders, a desire for sharing your faith with a friend, a desire for going on a mission trip. You recognize that these aren't my own selfish desires, but these are ones that God has imparted to me, implanted in me based on the word of God. And as we read the word of God and we begin to recognize more and more and more, he's a God of love. He's a God of miracles. He's a God of action. He's a God who cares for all people. Then now our expectations begin to increase because sometimes, again, if we're in a church experience where they don't believe these things, we're, in a, we're surrounded by people who have no expectations. We then begin to live that same life. But the word of God breaks us out of that. You think about this moment in church history called the Reformation. And it was a guy reading the Bible late at night that all of a sudden one word, one scripture changed his life. And he began to question. He began to act. He began to try to reform and say, wait a minute, we've made Christianity and we've made church and we've made it everything that's not even in scripture. If we can get back to it being about scripture, then we'll see God move again. Number three here, reasons, another reason why we are people of expectation. And this is the history of God. And Joshua goes in and he gives some history in verse number nine. For the Lord has driven out great and powerful nations for you, and no one has yet been able to defeat you. Each one of you will put to flight a thousand of the enemy, for the Lord your God fights for you, just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. 
God doesn't show favoritism. So when you see a, wit, uh, when you see a miracle happen in the life of someone else in the church or in the life of someone else in the community or, or someone that you're friends with online, when you see God do miracles for them, you've got to be, begin to understand and establish if he did it for someone else, he can also do it for you. And every testimony that we hear should increase our expectation. Every miracle that we hear should increase our expectation. The history of God, he did miracles thousands of years ago for Israel. He did miracles 2,000 years ago through Jesus. He did miracles after Jesus left through the apostles. He did miracles in our church last year. He will do miracles again. We're expecting them. They're going to happen. This year, well, every year we do an annual report, and this year um, we look at this, and we just begin to see, okay, God's done it, to look through and see that uh, you just, man, he's provided, he's taken care of us, he's, he's used us for his glory, for his kingdom, to, to bring his good news, to bring salvation to people through New Hampshire and across the world. He's used us. And when we hold this in our hand, we, it's not a yearbook, right? But it's, it's this, recognition, this recognition, oh, he did it last year, he'll do it this year. This expectation, he did it last year. It's just, I wonder what he'll do this year. I wonder what's going to happen. I'm, I know things are going to happen. I cannot wait for things to happen. We're not standing and moving forward from a place of, uh, of fear, a place of lack, uh, a place of begging. We understand God is going to do something. What are some things that he has done? You know, and there's all kinds of things in here to point, a, to point at and point, a, point to. One of them is we, I, I think one that's surprising. One that, um, that I had to go back and redo math and have other people check the math on it because I want to make sure I wasn't lying or miscommunicating, but it's, it, it blows my mind to think about but when we take our, uh, our attendance in our church, people who are coming to church every week, if we look at the, the beginning of 2023 and we look at the beginning of 2024, we've grown 37% in that in last year, from, from the beginning of last year to the beginning of this year. One of the, one of the things, because we can, we can, there's ways to grow, that grows a church but doesn't grow the kingdom, all right? So within what we would communicate is there's things called transfer growth, which is just people are, are just switching churches, and we don't want you to do that. Find a church, go to that church, get involved in that church, have that be your church. This pattern is the American pattern of, um, I go to every church, well, that's not biblical, of changing a church every one or two years 
I don't think that's biblical either. And if you, if you don't know me and you tell me to practice what I preach, I've been here for 35 years, all right? So I've been doing it. But that's surprising. So when they're anticipating, we shared this last year, uh, 100,000 churches, one-third of the churches in the United States closing over the next few years for there to be churches that are growing and for ours to be one of those. That's, I mean, that's a, that, that's a sign of the hand of God. And then coming back to my point is uh, how do we know that we're, that, that whatever, like we're not just stealing people from other churches. Well, one, because, well, I don't do that. But two, because of this page, 85 water baptisms last year. 85 people making this decision to give their life to Jesus. People of all generations. And this is what we want to be about. The place where people meet and hear Jesus. We certainly had some huge services this year. Our highest Easter, Easter service we ever had with 791 people in our services uh, the highest prayer food Sunday we ever had with 595 people. And um, he, he's not, I don't think he's here today, but one of my friends that I invited to fair food Sunday came on fair food Sunday and gave his life on Christmas day or maybe Christmas Eve, but he told me on Christmas day. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I tell you, there's nothing like a fried Oreo to just show you that there's a higher power. <laughs> Christmas Eve service, our largest Christmas Eve service we ever had, 759 people. Then there was just well, this random Sunday in July, 533 people. And then average attendance for the year, 527 people, which is, again, 37% higher than our weekend attendance um, going into 2023. We want to steward that well and recognize that God is moving, and it's about the name above every other name. It's not about Restoration Church or Nate Gagne or any of other pastoral staff, but it's about his name. What does Jesus say? If my name be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me, and we're trying to be a church, right? Like Jesus was our series last year. We talked about him over and over and over again, and we try to talk about him over and over and over again. We, uh, in our missions giving, our teenagers, there are 13,000 Assembly of God churches in the United States. I don't know how many youth groups that are, but maybe 8,000 youth groups. I don't know how many of them give the speed to light, maybe six, five or 6,000. Our youth group was 11th in the nation in speed to light giving. And um, we didn't know that. That wasn't our expectation. I shared this on the podcast, but in 2016, when I was serving in Travis Nicholson's position, I went to an event um, for district youth directors. It was in Branson, Missouri. And when I sat there, a church from Southern New England, who we talk about quite a bit, Calvary Church, they were, <clears throat> their church was in that top 20 for speed of light giving. And I remember sitting there and like, I didn't know that was possible. I didn't know that someone from the New, New England could do something like that. Because I've really been pretty much brought up and told that the, you, it won't happen. Like, we're in New England. So don't have a high expectation. And in that moment, my prayer was, 
Maybe one day Restoration Church could do that. That was 2016, so now 2023. A long time dream of maybe we could be in the top 20. And, and God did it through speaking to a bunch of teenagers to give them having a heart for kingdom builders. As an entire church, um, our kids, youth, and adult uh, kingdom builders giving, when we put all of it together, it was $290,000. Uh, which is unbelievable, used for uh, local church expansion projects, raising up future Christian leaders and global missions projects. Beyond that, we gave an additional, I'll look up the number here, an additional $52,538 in monthly support to missionaries and Christian nonprofits that we support on a monthly basis. So the 290 plus the 52,000 is our, our total above the tithe um, uh, giving. And so a bunch of names here, LifeBridge, uh, Emily DeRocher is in Mexico, Dave Wodzinski is in Uganda. Both of those were teenagers in our youth group previously. Haven Pregnancy Center in Plymouth, Options in Rochester, Brian Bassett in Durham, New Hampshire. Um, Sarah Blackstone, Jen and Ken Kinneman, Dave and Rose DeTrillio, Rocco DeTrillio, Jacqueline Doucette, Paul and Lena Duda, who we, we traveled with Paul to Cuba this year, John Flood, Stephen Ford, Tim and Doris Eckert, uh, Joan Rachel Gavin at University of Vermont, Jason Lindsay Goldsberry, Tyler Halstead, Jacob Jester, the Center of Hope, which is a nonprofit we supported for a long time, which has now become uh, a specific um, ministry of Restoration Church, and on and on and on we go, all across the world, almost nearly on every continent. We are supporting missionaries and organizations. We, in our Kingdom Builders, we brought 15,000 to help build churches in Cuba. We had mission teams go to both Cuba and Tanzania, and we have teams going again this year. The, Tanzania trip is in April, and we've got a full team for that. And the Cuba trip is in October, and I think maybe there's three open spots on that trip. Joshua, in this passage, he reminds them what God has done for them in verses 3, 4, 9, and 14, and then what he was ready to do yet further, verses 5 and 10. Let's talk about a little bit of the further. We are, um, we, we didn't plan on it last year, but... Uh, people have been trying to buy this property, this Dover property from us. And so uh, we, just an update on that as we're, we've been praying for completion. There's been some delays in that. So we're looking at uh, an April now closing and move date. We want to keep praying for that because certainly the people buying want to make sure that they can do the things they want to do. And so we'll just keep praying through that. But that's the latest uh, date that that's been moved to. So our anticipation, our expectation is that we, we will move this year. Other big ones, um, we are believing and expecting and praying to have the opportunity to water baptize 100 people in 2024 and to think through 2020, 20, 2023 and 2024 to have water baptized 185 people over those two years is a, just another sign of God's hand moving I'd love for our adult 
I expect our adult kingdom builders giving to hit $250,000 this year. It's been the adult's goal for the last couple of years, but we, we haven't hit that goal yet. I think this is going to be the year that we do that. And through that, we want to bring $30,000 to the Center of Hope on that trip with us. They are mandated, mandated by the government to build a wall around the orphanage. Uh, it's just been fenced, and so that needs to turn into a wall. That's a $30,000 project. We've already sent $2,000 this year to start the digging, and we had pictures, but I forgot to send them until right now. Um, so that project's been underway, and then to bring another $15,000 to Cuba for that, um, to, to build more churches there. Restoration Recovery will open this year. <laughs> it will open this year. We've been trying to do everything right, and we've been, um, and, and so trying to hit everything. The fire alarm system uh, has been scheduled, so that's going to be installed, which will finish up the sprinkler system. The plumber is, everything's ready now for the plumber to come back and hook, hook up all the sinks and toilets. Then, it is in, then it's inspections or, or simultaneous house decorating and inspections. So we're right there now on the cusp, and now our inspections will show um, if there's anything additional that they'd like us to do, but we've been trying to hit off every single thing they've asked for and beyond because the sprinkler system was an upgrade, um, and we've been doing a lot of upgrades as we've been trying to have the time to do that. So that's the plan for that. And we're going to continue to be faithful and to prepare ourselves for future opportunities. We've been uh, back behind the scene last year, this year, working on our organizational chart and our communication and getting our teams strengthened. And one day in the future, there will be another location launch. We don't know that when that will be. But my prayer for you is that when that time happens and we share that with you, it will be something that you will be excited for. It will be something you will be praying for. A number of months ago, someone, um, when I was, we began to share here, we got an announcement, we got an announcement, you know, this week we'll be sharing an announcement. Um, after the fact, someone said to me, and I don't know who said it, but the person communicating to me said, oh yeah, when you said an announcement, someone said, it better not be launching another location. And I, it took the wind out of me. And, and so I didn't ask who. I didn't want to know who because I would be tempted to egg their house or something. <laughs> but to think about that thought for a moment that, I, and if I had to guess, well, anyway, I won't guess, but, but, but someone had communicated, it better not be launching another location. And think about this for a minute. What if we... We're launching another missionary and sending another missionary into a non-church area of the world. And someone responded with, you're sending another missionary? Are you kidding me? Why are we sending another missionary? We've got to recognize that New Hampshire is a mission field. Yeah, we're living here. It is a mission field. And we're surrounded by the mission field. Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts. It's a mission field. And some of our friends who are living here moved to Michigan and then they came back and visited at Christmas and they were talking about how different it is in Michigan. There's like, there's no, the assumption is everybody goes to church. 
It's just weird. You're at the grocery store and the question is, where do you go to church? Oh, we go here. Where do you go to church? You meet people for the first time. Where are you going to go to church? Obviously, that is not the, the conversation that happens here. And imagine where here we are in the least church state in the United States. Our prayer should be just one more. We, God, we live in the least church Stay in the country. God, allow us to have more gospel outposts, to have more churches that are preaching more good news. God, give us buildings, give us leaders, give us finances to reach those who are not being reached within our proximity. God, help us. May our expectation not be that we will stay on that, on the bottom of the list, but may our expectation be that when people hear about you, they'll hear the good news of you and their lives will be changed. Here's the last thing and then I'm gonna pray. Last reason why our expectations, why we should be people of expectations. Number four, obedience to God. Joshua closes with this, he says, soon I will die going the way of everything on earth. Deep in your hearts, you know that every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Not a single one has failed. But as surely as the Lord your God has given you the good things he's promised, he will also bring disaster on you if you disobey him. He will completely destroy you from this good land he has given you. If you break the covenant of the Lord your God by worshiping and serving other gods, his anger will burn against you. and You will quickly vanish from the good land he has given you. We, are, we have received so much. We are a very blessed people. We are a very blessed church. We're going to continue to expect because God's commanded us to expect him to do good things. He has primed us and prepped us. He's the God of expectation. He wants to, to expect. He wants us to have faith. He wants us to have vision. He's going to give us visions. He's going to give us dreams. He's going to, he's going to, he, and he said, I'm the God of the impossible. So, hey, listen, expect the impossible. So our obedience to God is going to be, okay, God, we've seen what you can do. Okay, God. We see the character of who you are. You're a God of, of love. You're a God of power. You're a God of, uh, of knowledge. You're a God of kindness. You're a God of mercy. We see all of that. So we're going to expect. God, we see your history of what you did for Abraham, of what you did for Moses and Joshua, of what you did for the nation of Israel, of what you did through Jesus and through the apostles and, and what you did in early church history and what you did in the 1700s and the 1800s and the 1900s. So God, we're expecting you're going to do that here also. And we'll be people of expectation because God's called us to be people of expectation because he is the God of expectation because he has not lost one ounce of power. He has not lost one bit of, of, of his ability. He has not lost any of his faculties. He is still God, our, the uncreated one, the all-powerful one who knows us, loves us, and wants us. We close your eyes, let me pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your kindness for your mercy, for your miracles. 
Jesus, as we read and celebrate everything that you did in 2023, as we study church history, as we read the Bible, we read about everything you've done in the past. God, we thank you in advance that you're going to do it again. You're going to do it again. Many of us have been praying for friends and family, and it hasn't happened yet. They, they haven't met you yet, but we're, really, we're expecting it's going to happen this year. God, you're going to meet every need. You're going to help us accomplish vision that we haven't yet been able to accomplish. You're going to work all things out for your glory. And Jesus, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. In your name, amen. We stand to your feet, and can we sing for just a minute to end the service?